You are listening to Terra Signals, presented by Normal Paranormal. I am your host, Justin Bamforth. Jamie Victor is back. He was on a previous episode talking about his incredible experiences with synchronicities. Some call these extreme coincidences, but I like to refer to them as super synchronicities, or super syncs for short. This is when coincidences take on a deeper, more profound meaning. And if you heard my first interview with Jamie, you know how incredibly fascinating his synchronicities tend to be. Now, for those of you hearing Jamie for the first time, this man has been experiencing synchronicities throughout his entire life. I first met him over a decade ago when we worked for the same employer. He began to share some of these super syncs, so I encouraged him to start journaling these. Well, in 2012, he did just that and continues to this very day. And tonight, Jamie will share more of these incredible events, which we didn't get a chance to cover the first time. So, Jamie Victor, thank you for joining the show. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me back, buddy. All right, let's get into this. You know, can you like provide just like a quick overview of what synchronicity is and how it differs from coincidence? Okay. So a synchronicity is something that happens that seems like a coincidence, whether it be something that is like a signal to something else that happened during that day or something in your life. Um, but uh, there's no normal coincidence. You, you and I are talking about baseball and then, you know, we, we get off of this podcast, I turn the TV on and baseball is on. Well, this isn't the eighties. So that really wouldn't happen. You'd have, <laughs> I mean, today you have to pick exactly what you want to watch ahead of time. Um, but, or, you know, or you go out, we go to a restaurant, we overhear someone talking about baseball. Well, baseball isn't all that significant. Um, even if it was, that's just to both of us, it just, it's a whatever. However, if you and I are having a conversation, just going off this baseball thing, if you and I are having a, a conversation about a specific game in 1978 where Mike Schmidt hit a home run and then the ball hit the, the, the guy selling ice cream or some kind of a particular moment about that, and then we go to a restaurant and we happen to overhear somebody talking about the exact game, the same moment, that is more than just a coincidence. Like that is, hmm. That seems like uh, there's a reason that I heard that. And sometimes it could be maybe it's telling you that you should pick up the the baseball bat and, you know, play baseball. Not all the time, though. Um, So if something like that happens, then what will happen is uh, if you pay attention to these little things that happen, the more that they will occur. And then you can start to put patterns together. And then as it builds, those patterns can influence and affect your life in strange, indirect and also direct ways. Where do you think these synchronicities originate? What could be the source? My perspective on it is changing. Um, and it's different than what I thought last time. I couldn't even tell you what I really thought last time. I mean, I, I know I think that it's part of me thinks that it's signs from, you know, angels or whatever you may want to call it. Um, just letting you know that you are on reminding you that you're on the right path in life and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, however, now I'm starting to think that consciousness as a whole is like a a big radio station and everyone is a receiver. And so it's transmitting this signal constantly. And we all tap into that in different ways, whatever those ways are, who knows. Um, But I'm starting to think now that maybe there's a way that when these things happen often because you figure out ways of tapping into the consciousness better, but I'm not, as it, as it applies to me, I'm not like meditating or doing anything 
to strengthening that connection. Uh, they just, these things just continue to happen for me and they're just weird. So I just keep writing them down and <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, I think that the, the answer has yet to totally reveal itself to me. Do you think the more that you are in tune to these super sinks that the more they tend to happen? Yes. Uh, do you think like if these weren't happening that you would be kind of like lost in life or directionless? That's a good question. Just, um, Hmm. Maybe, maybe, and maybe not. Uh, hmm. Well, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I, if, if one doesn't happen, I, I don't get upset. So, uh, it's not like, Oh no, magical things aren't happening every day <laughs> or, or, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm, it's, I'm not getting all of these single symbols and signs and things. It doesn't, it's cause it doesn't always happen. It happens frequently, but, uh, I wouldn't say, I, I would probably be disappointed if it stopped, but at the same time, I don't know if it would directly affect, I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a complicated question. I'm not really sure. So you experience a particular incident quite frequently and you call it simultexting. What is that? So simultexting, I call it simultexting. It'll be, if you and I were to have one, it would be like, huh, I wonder, I wonder what Justin's up to today. I know he had that thing he was supposed to do. Um, I wonder how he's doing. And then I'll go and pick up my phone and you'll text me right then and be like, Hey Jamie, just want to say hello. Or, or not even just like, um, Hey, did you see this new whatever on, on the internet or something? And, Oh, that's weird. Like Justin, I was just going to text you and you texted me. That happens to me not as frequently as it used to. Um, certain people it happens repeatedly with. Not necessarily different people. Are, there, are those certain people ones that you're close with or are they just acquaintances? Or I think so. I think it also has to do with the people that I have these synchronicities with. Um, certain people I have like a connection with. Um, and I, I think that might be part of it. Almost like they're kind of like predestined to, ha to be part of these shared experiences in a way. I don't know. Maybe. That's, that could be one way. That could be part of it. Is there anyone in particular that it, it happens the most with that, that you're my, aware of? Yeah, my friend, my friend Sue. Uh, it happens today. It happened today, actually, with her. A buddy of mine sent me this, this video. It's really funny. You have to see it. But it's a little illustration of famous rock stars as everyday objects. So it's an illustration, a little cartoon. And there's you know Robert Plant, a sample of Robert Plant from a song. And it's used to be a forklift. And then there's Kurt Cobain. And he's doing like, yeah! or whatever, like from the song. And it's, it's a coffee grinder. So it's the sound of a coffee grinder. It was really funny. So I, I sent that to her today and then she responded. Oh, I had it right here. She responded. Uh, it's so crazy. You sent this. We were in Maryland and I saw a sign that said J and V's my initials J and V's as I was driving and didn't get to snap a picture. Then you sent me a text like five minutes later. So that's kind of, kind of strange, but yeah, her and I will have that happen where she'll be thinking about me or vice versa. And I'll just, I'll, as, so what I like to do is if I'll be doing, if I'm doing something and a thought comes into my head about a person, whether or not it's something I I'm working on and it reminds me of them, or if someone pops into my head, I will text them right then and just say, Hey, how you doing? Just thinking about you. Hope you're having a good day and see what happens. And sometimes people go, Oh my God, I was just going to, I was just going to text you. You know, it's so that, funny that's... because I just started doing that too. I'm, I'm kind of taking a cue from you. I will get these random thoughts that just pop into my head of someone and I'll just send them a message. And it's almost like a, like an overwhelming, like, um, 
push, right? Like it's like, oh my gosh, text that person, text to, that person. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what it feels like, huh? Like I need to, yeah, just just say hello. I just if reach out to this person. I, yes. Interesting. I wonder how many of you who are listening to this episode right now have experienced that. If so, please let me know. You know, go to uh, my website, normalparanormal.org. There's a contact form. I'd love to hear about it. And just to find out how many of you have experienced these synchronicities, you know, but you have more, right? Matthew Cause from the band Not A Surf mentioned this one time on Facebook uh, where people were talking about that. And he's saying like, yeah, back in the day, what would happen is you would, when we had all had landlines, you'd pick up the phone to dial someone to call someone, you'd pick up the phone and they would be on the other line. And that would be a, like a simul text. Now we text, you know, but back in the day when you had to make a phone call and you know, that would happen sometimes. So that's, that's really strange. Right. So I guess in, in all forms of it's of, of texting and phone communication, it's there. I'm wondering if the telephone in all of its various forms and, you know, iterations, if it's something about that particular tool, that communication device, that kind of like unlocks our psyche and allows us to have some of these moments. Because, I mean, not just your experiences, but, you know, we have, um, I think the researcher Rupert Sheldrake covered this, uh, where he was actually measuring if you can predict when somebody's going to call you. And he found out that, in fact, it is possible. It happens a lot. And I think he got into this, this aspect he called a morphic resonance where certain people will have this ability. They'll have this connection to others, especially ones that they're close with, and they'll be able to predict them calling them right before it happens. But nowadays, maybe that's taken the form of text messages, but you have a couple other ones that happen today. Synchronicities. Um, <laughs> I, this is my buddy, Josh. He, uh, he does sound professionally and he lives out in Los Angeles. And I was talking to him today about a song that I just finished. I sent him a, a song to work on for me. He did some mixing and, and some production work on the song. And it was weird because I was designing a business card. Well, a rewards program card today for my girlfriend. Uh, called, she's a hairdresser and a barber. So we came up with this idea to have a, you know, one of those, like when you buy coffee, buy 10 cups of coffee, get the 11th one free. I'm like, well, what if we do that with haircuts and call it the Harry Styles Rewards Program? So I, I made her this little Harry Styles, you know, thing. I designed a little stamp. We're going to have a stamp made. She can stamp the little Harry, Harry, Harry Styles head. And then Josh, I just finished it. And then Josh called me. And he's like, oh, yeah, I just got connected with this guy, so-and-so, and, -and, -so, and uh, he's done engineering for Harry Styles. And I was like, oh, Josh, I just finished making a – just now. Like, that's that's crazy. And another thing that happened earlier today, I was, I was thinking about a video for this same song. It's called Under the Sea. And uh, I was like, oh, what if I had my band members, me and the three band members, in astronaut costumes, and we're standing in a boat. And then, you know, the band in a boat. And then one at a time, we dive into the ocean. And then my bandmate texts me today. We we're going back and forth. And he's like, oh, by the way, I have a great idea. Band boat. So I'm like, Gary, I know this is not what you're, what you're referencing. I know you probably mean something else. But this is weird because maybe an hour ago, two hours ago, 
or two hours prior to that time. Like, I just, I was just thought about, I pictured us, in, the band in a boat. Interesting. Yeah, wow. kind of weird, right? Kind of, kind of weird. Oh, Justin, I got so many that have been happening. It's so crazy. Last weekend, my girlfriend and her son and I are driving to the Quakertown flea market, and I oh, put on my- Q Mart. The Q Mart, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used Love to go it. there a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the um. An interesting place. I used to live around there. Oh, really? Yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Souderton, so not far from there. Oh. So very Did they have wrestling there when you were a kid? They did, yeah. And I they actually, did? Yep. And uh, I actually took my photo with one of the wrestlers there. Uh, so. <laughs> did yeah. not know that. Did not know that. We're, we're walking around. Well, so we'll get back to the story. We, we're on the way to the Quaker Town Flea Market, I have my liked songs playing from my phone from Spotify. It's over 2,000 songs. And it's just, I have it on random. And they're just playing some, one after another. Totally. One song's hip-hop song. The next song is, you know, Tame Impala. Like, it's very varied. And her son just randomly starts talking about the band The Zombies from the 60s. And he's just like, yeah, the, the, the Zombies had three hit songs. Um, but I think they had better songs some of their other songs are better than those three songs. And I, and then I was like, oh, yeah, that one, you know, there's one that I really like. I can't think of the name of it. And he's like, oh, this will be our year. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, that's it. That's I love that song. And then that song came on. I mean, we know that our phones are listening to us all the time. Right. But I don't know if Spotify does that. I, I've never been driving and listening to a playlist and then talked about a band or a song and then Spotify just decided to play it. That's never happened. So it either, either it was or, cause then I tested it after and we started talking about I'm like, well, that's weird. The other musicians that we talked about didn't come up. And then I started kind of testing it and saying that different bands and, and it didn't, it didn't play the rest of them. So that was strange. And then we went to the Quaker Symphony market. And, yeah. Wow, that is strange. Well, I know a lot of people are listening to this show through Spotify. So if you've experienced that, please let me know. I think that synchronicities are happening on a much larger scale. It's just most people just chalk it up as coincidence, right? Yeah. I mean, and again, who do you who do you report it to, right? You know, if something happens, yeah, you tell your buddies, you tell your friends, but that's it. Then you just let it go. But you've been documenting these. When they happen yeah. to you, you journal them. And I you do. take detailed notes as soon as it happens. I mean, it is remarkable. Let, let's get into some more. All right. Some other recent ones. Uh, so July 11th is my mom's birthday. It's also my friend Billy's birthday. The last time I had seen Billy was May 20th, which was my, my father's birthday. My father's passed, but it was his birthday. Last time I saw Billy, he came to see my band play. After our performance, I was talking to him and he says, you know, you need, you guys need to add a ballad. You need to add a slow song. I'm like, uh, all right, I'll think about it. So I did. So Brenda and I wrote a slow song and I thought, and then my buddy Josh had just finished like a premix, like version one mix of the song and sent it to me. And so basically, like I record, Brenda and I wrote and recorded the whole song in GarageBand, and then had like a rough demo. I send those files to my buddy Josh. He takes those files and puts them into Pro Tools, which is the real music software, and does all his little knob twisting and 
makes it sound amazing. He also like this song, he actually did some production stuff where he listened to the song and he was like, do you mind if I mix some things around? I said, no, please do. He took, he completely like, um, disassembled the beginning of the song and reassembled it. And it made it like so much better, but this is because Billy inspired this. So I text Billy, happy birthday. I have a birthday present for you. You said the last time I saw you, now this is weird. I saw Last time I saw him was my dad's birthday. Now I'm talk texting him on his birthday, which is my mom's birthday. And I'm saying, hey, we did it. We did it. Nobody's heard it yet. But here, here's a, a version of the song. And then he texts me back and he's like, that's weird. I'm in California, which is where Josh lives. Today's my birthday. And I'm wearing your band's T-shirt. Oh, wow. He just, it was his birthday. He wore the T-shirt. Kind of strange. Kind of strange, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of strange, but this happens to you so frequently that it's no longer strange. It's just part of your normal day-to-day experience, you know? Um, Let's get into a little bit about the band. I know we have a track we're going to play, you know, later on, but let's talk about Fossils from the Future. Where did this come from? You know, this is your current band now, and it's comprised of you and your girlfriend, Brenda, and uh, anyone else involved? Uh, Jace is with it too, right? Yeah, Jace, who he's in uh, another band together. Uh, Jace and I are in another band together called R.A. Jr. And recently, our friend Gary, uh, who was in a band with Jace 15 years ago, uh, he just joined the band on keyboards and soundscapes and samples and stuff. He's like our little magic man back there. Um, and it's also, that's kind of interesting how that came about uh, because now... We all practice in my house where the drums that Jace is playing is Gary's drum set from like 15, 20 years ago that was Gary's drums that he played. And now Jace is playing them and Gary is playing keyboards, which he didn't play keyboards before across from like, so Gary and Jace were in a band before, but Gary played drums and Jace played guitar and sang in this band. Jace is playing drums and Gary is playing keyboards, but Jace is playing Gary's drums. It's kind of, kind of like a weird, like <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, but yeah, anyway, that, so that, this, that band fossils from the future, uh, is a band that I, I came up with partly because of you, Justin, like in your influence on me and your inspiration, uh, that you've provided me for over the years. And you've got me more and more into the topic of strangeness. And, uh, now it's my buddy, <laughs> kind of kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, the band started from there and I write music. It's uh, blues rock music. I call it paranormal blues rock because the songs are about paranormal topics and just areas of strangeness, high strangeness. you're recording some of these songs do strange things happen in the recording process sometimes i thought it was going to be weirder but not as not what i hoped i guess you could say the the first song i made i wrote about bigfoot and i put samples in the song of recordings of bigfoot howling in the woods and i i do wonder if because i put that in the song that 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 song i don't want to say it was cursed but it was a, uh, it was a journey to get that that 
that song finished and recorded. I kept having all these weird difficulties. And I wonder, like, because I stamped that sound in there? I don't I don't know. Like, Because the other songs haven't been, you know, there's always something that happens when you're recording. Um, oh, actually, a weird, a weird one just happened recently. So when Brenda and I were doing this demo, we wanted to do a shaker part. So usually, you you know, you would do, you, you, you know, sit there and you do the shaker for the whole song. Now you want to add a tambourine. So then you have to go back and you do the tambourine to the whole song. So we thought, let's try to be like productive and efficient. You do the tambourine, I'll do the shaker, and we'll do it at the same time. To save time, we'll just put them on the same track. You can't necessarily separate the instruments that way, but we're just trying to like, you know, save time. So she and I are sitting across from each other and we're trying to in sync. It's very, you could do it on your own, but it's very difficult to do across with another person. You just, you instantly like go out of sync. So she just, we just kept fumbling. So I told her, close your eyes so you're not looking at me and I'm not looking at you and we can just focus on the instrument. That just so happened. When I said that, just so happened to be in a part of the song where conceptually in the song, we, you, the listener goes underwater and it happened right then. I didn't do, didn't do that on purpose because we were just listening to the drums. Like It's hard to explain, but basically I, did not, I was not aware exactly where I was in the song when we were doing it because we were writing it as we were recording it. And then when I played it back, there's a part in the song where it goes like a splash and you go underwater. And then you hear me say, the microphone picked me up saying, close your eyes. It's like, that's kind of like a weird. Interesting. Synchronicity, yeah. you know? Yeah. That is, that is kind of peculiar. Uh, but you haven't picked up any like errant voices that are clearly no. not yours or anything. No, thankfully not. Have you had like any, I, I know this is a topic that you'd rather not think about or fixate on, but have you ever had any paranormal experiences take place in your home? Yeah, no, I mean, some. well, yes, actually, some strange things have happened here, but not scary. Uh, multiple people have had deja vu in the same spot in my kitchen. Um, I've also had weird things happen in that same exact spot. Very strange things. And we talked about it, actually, I, I talked about it the last, our, during our last chat, uh, the Veronica name and the Veronica song and the Veronica, that came up. That was strange. Same spot, though. My mother had never had deja vu before and she got it in my house. And she's like, all of a sudden she started acting like, I was like, what's the matter? Are you okay? You're okay. She's like, I, I, she like didn't know how to describe it. And then when she's like, I feel like we did this before, but it's, but I'm, but what I'm saying, I'm like, yeah, my, that is that you're having deja vu. And then another time we were having band practice and Jace was standing in that same spot and we were just talking just like this. And then, you know, and then he just goes, that's weird. I'm like, what? He goes, I just, I just had deja vu in the same spot. Huh? Weird. Yeah, weird. that that is really weird. And the fact that your mother has never had a deja vu experience prior to that—that's even stranger. That's I really thought strange. Yeah, I thought everybody had deja vu experience. I thought so too. Yeah, the way that she described it, it was it was interesting because she didn't know what was happening, and then, and it's it's happening as I'm saying it right now. This happened already, but it did. But and she was so confused, and I was like, "Ma, you said deja vu." Yeah. So you sent me a list of various synchronicities. These are in no particular order, but we're just going to follow the order because some of these, the way you've written some of these, they they do capture my attention. Uh, Mario Andretti. 
Yeah, so uh, around 2009, 2010, I was using Mario Andretti as uh, an analogy because that's what I do. I always speak in analogies and metaphors. Not always. I'm not like Socrates. I'm not trying to say that. But but, I mean, I use analogies and metaphors a lot in life to, to help myself describe things to people and because everyone can relate to like food for instance i will use food all the time but my life at that time was in turmoil and so i came up with this analogy where i was telling people it's like i was like mario andretti and i was race i was like you know winning all the races all the race boom 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 world champion and then i got into a terrible accident where the car flipped over and caught on fire and oh my god but i i was alive and i came out okay. I was kind of banged up, but I was okay. So I took some time to heal. And then when I was ready to get back into racing, I was nervous to jump back into the car. So I decided to get into the pit and I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll get my, you know, my bearings in the pit. And then this is probably a terrible analogy to people that actually race cars for a living, because I know it's completely different being in the pit than racing G forces. I understand that, but this is just how I applied it to my life. I'm like, oh, I'll, you know, go into the pit for a while. And then when I'm ready, I'll start, you know, maybe do the pace car and then, and then get back up into the, doing the racing again. And I was saying this to people, you know, pretty frequently. I, uh, my band at the time, a different band, um, had a show and, this is also kind of significant because it's if it's not it's weird enough as it is the Mario Andretti thing is weird enough it's just when I also think back to other details I'm like oh actually this is even stranger because that's when I decided I was at that time I was looking for another band to like partner up with like team up with and say hey let's build shows together and let's you know like let's do this thing together so I was trying to pick bands that I really liked and appreciated and respected. And I thought, you know what, if I want to I want to partner up with a band that I want to go see their shows when they're not playing with me. And I ended up being on this show with a band called All Right Jr. And my buddy Jace and Mike, buddies Jace and Mike were in the band. And another guy, Rob, was playing bass. And I was playing with a, a band called Sweet Eureka. And uh, I was watching them and thinking, you know what, these guys, I want to partner up with these guys. I'm going to talk to them about this. So not right now, but I started thinking that. And uh, this is like separate from the Andretti thing, but I did on my own. I started listening to their music and I'm like, not, didn't tell them. I'm just like getting into their music. I was like, this band is awesome. And I'd known them at that point for 10 years, but I didn't really, you know, we played shows together and stuff, but I wasn't all that familiar with their songs. And then I started listening on my own. And I'm like, I really like this. And I told them. And when I did tell them, they were like, huh, well, you know, it's funny our bass player just quit and we need a bass player. Do you want to join the band? We need a bass player. And I had just quit my job. So I'm like, well, I have more time now to do things I want to do. And I joined the band and that was seven years ago. I'm I'm still, I'm still the bass player. However, the weird thing about the Mario Andretti thing was that show, that show that we both bands played was a benefit for pause. It's an animal shelter and they had a raffle. So you bought tickets, raffle tickets, and go around and put the ticket in the cup for the, you know, the, whatever the raffle prize is. And then they call your number. And if you win, you win. Well, there just happened to be a framed photo of Mario Andretti, which is odd because he's not popular anymore. Uh, he was when I was a kid. So most people don't even know who he is nowadays. So, but most people like younger is what I should say. And uh, I put a raffle ticket in the thing and I won it. 
<laughs> it's right there hanging on my on my wall. So, you know, kind of strange. But the fact that that where that happened, that's that alone is strange because it's strange, too, because it's not like we were t it's not like I was using the Philadelphia Flyers as an analogy. And then they had a Flyers thing and I bid on that's ubiquitous. You know, even though the Flyers were for, at a time like really important in my life, you know, it's still ubiquitous. Mario Andretti, like he hasn't raced cars since what, 1998? Like, so it was really weird that they had, of all things, there at this raffle, an autographed photo of him. I thought that's weird. I put one ticket in and I won it. Sheesh. Well, speaking of the Flyers, you've actually interacted with some Flyers uh, personalities. Uh, Bill Clement is one of those. <laughs> I needed a, a printer. I was looking online for a laser printer and I wanted a big one and they were expensive. And one night at like three o'clock in the morning, I found this giant, excellent condition um, Xerox printer, but it was a big thing. It had a copier and five paper trays and a manual tray and everything for $80. And I'm like, no way. And uh, so I, I emailed the guy and we start going back and forth. and. Uh, I don't know who he is. He said his name is Bill, but I mean, just Bill from Craigslist. And then I was asking him if it was a color printer and he said, no. And I said, I'm pretty sure it's, it prints color. And he's like, uh, I don't know. And I was like, where do you, well, look where the ink goes. What ink is in there? And he's like, I don't know how to change the ink. <laughs> I said, Oh, I'm telling you this thing prints color. And he was so nice. He he's like, oh, you really need a color printer, huh? I said, well, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. And he said, well, what did I, what did I, what did I put the price up? Eighty dollars? So yeah. He goes, you know what? How about you come to my house and try it out? And if you if you like it, it doesn't and it doesn't print color, you can just have it. And I said, no, I'm not going to just take it. I said, let me come to your house and I'll say I'm telling you, it prints color. And then I go to his house and it was a strange experience because I, when you buy things on Craigslist, you meet all kinds of people. And I, I pulled into this, this development that was interesting because there was, you know, you're in a nice development when no, there's no cars parked on the street because there isn't a sidewalk. Like there is nowhere for people to park. You have to park in the driveway. It's a private community. And I pull into this house with this big giant three car garage. And I'm like, who is this guy? I'm like, no wonder he's selling this printer for $80. He doesn't need it. And then I walk up to, I walk up to the house and I'm trying to figure out where's the door, like, cause it was, it was weird. I was disoriented because I had to park in the driveway. Normally I just park in the street. And while I'm trying to figure out what to do, the garage door starts opening. So I walk up to the garage door and this man is standing there and I just see his feet and his legs as the door's opening. And he starts talking to me before the door all the way opens, which was kind of interesting. So, you know, like the doors, he's covered, like he's covered like this. And I just hear, Hey, Jamie, how you doing? I'm like, oh, he's like, hey, it's so nice to meet you. And then I'm like, hey, uh, hi, it's Jamie. And and then it, the timing also was weird, too, because as he said, I'm Bill, was when the – it was almost like he timed it. He's like, oh, how you doing? And then, oh, I'm Bill. And it revealed him. And I was like, Bill Clement? And Bill Clement was on the Flyers. Uh, he won both Stanley Cups with the Flyers in the 70s. But I grew up watching the Flyers on TV, and Bill Clement was the color commentator. So 
I, I was just like, oh my God, like a childhood idol. Like, oh my goodness. Like, wow. And I got to go in, into his house and we go up into his, and we go up into his office and I'm expecting her to be flyer stuff everywhere. And there's like nothing. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, yeah, I'm moving. So I was like, oh, he's like, that's why I'm not bringing this heavy printer with me. So it took Bill Clement and I an hour. At this point, I see this giant printer. It does only print black, which is hilarious to me. It's just a copier, fax, you know, everything. But I thought it was funny because Bill Clement was a color commentator for the Flyers, and he had a printer that only printed black. That's just kind of funny. <laughs> I see so he and I, that. yeah, we, we take the whole thing apart. We had to take it apart and everything. And uh, I, I'm, I'm unscrewing it. We're trying to take the top off, and he gives me a, a screwdriver and – I don't know if I told you this before, Justin, but whenever I meet famous people, it's always cool until the last minute. I always, at the last minute, say something dumb. <laughs> and I, I, just, I just always do it. And uh, I didn't know this was stupid, but he and I are taking this apart and he hands me a screwdriver and I'm unscrewing it with my left hand. And he says, oh, so you're, you're left-handed. And I'm trying to show off and I'm like, yeah, like Bobby Clark. And he goes, Bobby Clark was right-handed. And I said, no, he wasn't. I said, no, he shot left-handed. He said, well, yeah, most people, even whether right-handed or left-handed, shoot left-handed because of the like it gives you the, the advantage against the goalie. And I was like, well, I'm left-handed and I shoot left-handed. And he's like, well, that's weird. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bill Clement also shot left-handed. But when I was a kid, he was on the TV as the commentator. He wasn't playing. Yeah, And I remember watching Bobby Clark footage because Bobby Clark was famous and popular. I don't remember seeing footage. Maybe I did see footage of Bill Clement. But in my mind, he's the commentator guy, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that was funny. So then I get the printer from him. And – uh. I decide I'm like I need to I need to stay in touch with Bill Clement here. Uh, so how do I do it? So I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll make him a flyer, right, and print it out on his printer and give it to him. So the printer only printed black ink, but the flyer's colors were orange, white, and black. So I printed on orange and white paper the black ink and I made a collage. I designed a whole collage of pictures of him and thank you, Bill. And, and I, and then I go and I, I frame it and I bring it to him and he goes, he's like, he, he had a book that he's like, yo, I'm going to give you a copy of my book. And Oh, thank you. And then I printed out the Craigslist ad and I said, can you sign these things? And he goes, yeah, sure. And then he, he, he gets the pen and he, he goes to sign and he goes, do, do you want me to say anything in particular? I'm drawing a blank here. I'm like, just, you don't have to write it. Just Bill Clement would be, would be amazing. And then he goes, oh, I got it. I got it. Like, okay. And then he writes the thing out and then I look at it and it says to Jamie, a true original flyers forever, Bill Clement. And I go, ah, oh, true original. He goes, well, yeah. Like when you have to make a copy, you have an original and then you have to make a copy. So he, I gave him a pun as a gift, and then he made a pun sign. Amazing. amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, let's let's get into some really weird stuff uh, related to UFOs and uh, the Catch Me If You Can story or the uh, the Kinross incident. Oh, yeah. Very strange. Um, I wrote a song about aliens being chased and hunted down by the Air Force. and. Instead of saying that in the music, I 
thought what I'll do is I'll write the song from that perspective, from the perspective of the Air Force chasing and trying and aliens and catch me if you can, you can't catch me. But I won't say aliens in there or Air Force. I'll just, it could be about anything. And then, but the, the artwork will be of, that's where it'll give it away what it's about. So I wanted to create this artwork where I had a flying saucer and a jet shooting it down. And I wanted to make it look like a comic book from the 50s. I had this like specific uh, vision in mind. So you had actually given me a, a gift, an awesome gift. You gave me the Bob Lazar S4 UFO model. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to put this model together. And then I'm going to make a model of a jet and hang them. I'll build the models and then I'll hang them with fishing wire and I'll take a picture of it and that'll be the cover. So I start looking for, you know, jet models and I thought, well, wait a minute. There's, I, if I'm going to do this, I want to be accurate. So what jets shot down those UFOs? There's, you know, when the, when the army scrambles a jet, what is it? Is it the F-14 Tomcat or it, what is the jet specifically? But I, I knew there were jets that they sent specifically for this that were geared toward that. So I start Googling jets that intercepted UFOs and a whole bunch come up, but this one keeps coming up. The F-89 Sea Scorpion that was in from the 50s. It had that 50s look. I'm like, that is the jet. So I'm looking all over for it to buy this model and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to do this. And then I talked to my friend Adam about it. I'm trying to think. I know these, these happened. I don't think it was the same day. But the day that I told you about this and the synchronicity happened, that was on the same day. So I may have been thinking about this prior and I talked to Adam about it. I think that's what was happening. Uh, and Adam said to me, he's like, have you ever made a model before? And I was like, yeah. Or maybe that happened after. Anyway, part of the story, but not, not as important as what we're, as the core here. So <laughs> so I'm trying to, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not going to build this model. So I'm like, there's got to be a photo. Somebody has built this model somewhere. and. I look up online as the F-89 Scorpion model. Somebody built the model, did a professional job, and took amazing photos of it. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to use pictures of this and do it. Yeah, actually, this is what happened after. So I decide to do all of this, and I'm like, oh, my God. And So while I'm, while I'm looking up this jet, this, this story keeps coming up called the Kinross Incident. I'd never heard of it before. And a pilot named Felix Moncla and a co-pilot, I, I can't remember his first name. I want to say Patrick Wilson. His last name is Wilson. Uh, I can't remember the first name. Um, in November 1953, over Lake Superior, there was something in, the, in our airspace that was show, actually showing up on radar. And we reached out to it and there was no response. So they scrambled. They didn't know what it was. So they scrambled jets to go find out what this was. The jets went up there. They were in communication, which I'd love to find that up until the communication. They were in communication with Felix and his partner's co-pilot. And then as he got closer to it, they lost communication and they watched on the radar. There was a blip for the whatever it was, the unidentified. And the blip of, of the Scorpion plane and the two blips, the two dots merged as one dot and then disappeared. And they never found the jet, the wreckage, the people. They don't know the pilots. They never found what it was. They don't know if it was a UFO or not. Um, but it became that, 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 you know, known as the Kim Ross incident that apparently he was, it was scrambled out for an unidentified flying object. They didn't know what it was and never to return again. And uh, I was like, oh, wow, that's that's crazy. So then I find 
I'm now I'm looking up the Kinross incident and I find that these people made a documentary. Some somebody made a documentary about it that when I first saw it, I was completely mesmerized and blown away by it. The more times I watched it, the more I became skeptical of it. However, it gave me a great idea for a music video, but I'm, which I'm going to film uh, this fall. Uh, but I'm like, oh my god! So this movie comes out about this guy who believes that he is the reincarnated spirit of Felix Moncla, and he has memories of this. Uh, you know, being on the plane and chasing after a UFO, but he didn't actually live it. It wasn't him. And I was like, oh my God, that's like, a, that's crazy. I text you and tell you about this and you tell me, oh, yeah, that's funny. I just posted about that story today on my social media. I didn't, I swear to you, I did not see it. But that's really odd. Like that you did that. So you that day, yeah. you, you set a time for that I remember that, post. yeah. Mm-hmm. You posted it. I swear to you, I did not see it. I'm over here look, trying to design a UFO thing. I'm not on social media. And I and I happened to text you. And and that day was my dad's birthday, which is strange because my dad has played a role in all of these synchronicities. Not all of them, but in a lot of these synchronicities, especially when it comes to music. My dad's birthday comes up or my dad in some way or another uh, comes up in, in these. My dad who has passed has come, come up in these synchronicities. So, um, yeah, that's that one. Yeah, and we, we kind of covered that a little bit in the previous episode of this notion that perhaps some of these synchronicities could have could be him trying to communicate to, with you from some other realm. But these were happening even when he was alive, right? I mean, yes. So, you know, then we started talking about the the possibility that maybe this is you from the future you know, trying to get in touch with you in the present. Again, all speculation, but yeah, it's just really interesting how you can pick up on certain wavelengths, there are certain thoughts from, from certain people. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe these aren't synchronicities at all, but maybe these are just precognitive experiences? Yes, ah. because I have those two um, separate from where I'm like, whoa, you know, um, where I, I, I I do have precognitive abilities, but I can't control it. It just happens. I don't want to control it, um, but I I am able to predict the future. I guess you could say, but it's it's uh it's not something that I sit with a crystal ball and do. It's not something where I uh you know like focus my intentions to let me predict the future. You know, it's just things happen. I'll say them to people or I'll do them, and then that they happen. So it's, it's just weird. And I just wonder if other people just have this. I think everybody probably has a natural ability to do it. It might be something that was just part, a bigger part of humanity in in, you know, civilizations past. And we've just, you know, it's, it's a muscle that's grown dormant now. Um, like people talk about our pineal gland and their third eye. Everyone has it. And, you know, maybe some people know how to open it more than others. I mean, I, but I'm not, it's, it's, I'm not like an active pineal gland person, you know, I just, you know, I'm not trying to do it. It's just, these things happen. They happen to me. It's pretty significant to me. And then I write them down and then we talk to, to, to you about them. Have you always had this ability, this inadvertent precognition? I don't think so. Um, but if things happen before it, so I'd have to like really go back and, and like po- probably, I want to say probably, um, but it's not as strong as it is now. As it, it, yeah, it's stronger now than it was. I guess that just for anything would be the same. 
practice makes perfect. Because I'm wondering if there maybe there was some sort of event that kind of triggered it or set things in motion that kind of unlocked that third eye. Maybe there was a catalyst event that took place in your life. That's something to think about for sure, Justin. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting point. And, you know, to the audience listening, you know, Jamie and I talk about a lot of these events, uh, you know, when we get together, we also, you know, theorize a, a lot about what could be triggering these things. And why I wanted to bring Jamie onto the show is because I know there are others out there who are experiencing this. And I, I just think that maybe understanding that you're not alone in that regard, that there is someone else out there who has experienced this, it might give you a little bit of, you know, comfort, you know, knowing that you're really not crazy. Um, this is taking place. But the important thing is documenting it as soon as it happens, write detailed notes. And that's what you do, Jamie, so that you don't lose all that information. And then you can go back and look at it later and kind of like uh, connect some dots, find out if there was something that was connected to someone else or if there was a reason or purpose for it. You know, this is really interesting stuff. Again, we don't know why it's happening. It just happens, you know? Yeah. Have you ever had any, like, precognitive experiences that really did scare you or disturb you? You know, I've had experiences where the synchronicities have led to a negative outcome, um, but I'm not ready to talk about that yet. What about Iowa? What is that? That's a pretty uh, vague uh, bullet point you gave me here. Iowa. Iowa is just a weird one. Uh, <laughs> friend, a friend of mine, Allie and I, my friend Allie and I went to get dinner one night and we went to this restaurant in Maniunk that was packed and there was nowhere to sit. And the only spots we could get were at the bar. So it was like, wait an hour and a half to sit down or just sit at the end of the bar. So we sat at the end of the bar. It was fine. It was great. Behind us, there were these two women that were, we didn't even notice they were there at first. We didn't even know that you could sit there, but there was two seats at the window that if, when we saw them, we were like, oh, whoa, there's, there's people right here. And we started talking to these two women. They were both doctors. And one of them, it was a very weird exchange that we had with them. It was nice and playful and fun and flirty a little bit, you know, but at the same time, it was kind of like weird. So this one woman, starts talking about her boyfriend in a, like a negative way. And I was like, Oh, wait, so you, so you like your boyfriend and you don't like him. And she was like, well, he's from Iowa. I'm like, okay. And she's like, have you ever been to Iowa? I said, no. And she's like, well, you, you would understand. Like if you were, you would get it. I'm like, all right. So are you trying to say that he's boring? Oh no, no. I'm like, are you okay? Well, are you trying to say you don't like him? No, I love my boyfriend. Okay, like why? Why are we having this conversation? Like the, it was, the, the whole conversation was strange. That was just one part of it. So we were like, we were making a joke about it. We're like, oh, Iowa. Go home that night. The next day, I get up and I'm running errands. I'm driving through an intersection, and you know, light turns green, and I start going through. Just as I go through, this truck turns from the intersection and gets in front of me, and he has an Iowa license plate. 
So, first of all, I don't think I've ever, if I did, I don't remember, I don't think I've ever seen an Iowa license plate before. It's just strange. At least I hadn't seen one in, you know, recently, let alone ever. Yeah, because we're in New Jersey. We're in the Philadelphia, New Jersey area. So, we're we're kind of far away from Iowa. Yeah, so, you know, we'll see Delaware license plates sometimes in California, even New York, but Iowa. So, I'm like, oh, that's weird. It's Iowa again. And then. My friend, now it wasn't right then, but it was within like an hour or three, one to three hours. My friend texts me same day and he says, hey, Jamie, I was just thinking about you. I'm driving through Iowa and just thinking about you. And I figured I'd text and say hello. What? And I'm like, am I supposed to go to Iowa? I don't want to go to Iowa. (laughs) But I'm like, but that was it. That was it. That was an isolated two days in a row, three instances of Iowa. Um. That was just strange, but I I don't know what it meant. I did not look it up. I didn't look up to see if there's any news happening in Iowa or any, you know, cheap flights to Iowa. Um, But yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, that is weird. It's it's like you pick up on certain people's mental state, emotional state, right? And it's like, then the synchronicities uh, develop from there. But what I've noticed in in a lot of your synchronicities is they involve license plates. That seems to be a common thing that, that pops up, right? or some aspect of a car, of a vehicle. All right, let's get into Dave Foley leads to Jesse Daly. What's that about? This is a good one. Um, my buddy, Dave Foley, who I, I worked with, I met through advertising. He was a very talented art director, uh, funny, got great sense of humor. He loved puns too. And he could make good puns, which was great. Uh, he had this like, ex- this like rough exterior about him where if you didn't know him, he could be like, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Like, uh. Not threatening. That's too too strong of a word. But like, ooh, like like almost like grumpy in a way too. Something like. But he was the sweetest guy. So we would say like he was the grump with the golden heart. That's how our friend, my other friend Dave, would describe him. And he was. Dave was the best. He was the best. When I bought this house, um, one of the things I had to do, I still have to do to fix this house, is uh, fix the power that goes to my garage, and I, that. Inc- that involves I have to dig a three foot trench from my house to the garage and run conduit to run power out there. And when I bought the house and I was telling Dave about this, I mean, who wants to do that? And I, I mean, that's it costs a lot of money, but like, right, I guess I'm just not doing that. And I'm telling him and he's like, I'll help you. I'm like, what? I'll help you dig. A, you'll help me dig a three foot trench. Like, wow. OK, you're awesome. He's just an awesome guy. Um, Sadly, Dave passed away. He He was in. It was a shock. I'm still shocked. Uh, it, he was in very bad health and he didn't talk much about it. And he got into a situation where he wasn't able to be saved. And unfortunately, he passed away in his house and his sister found him. And so Dave was a great guy. I just loved him. He was a good friend and just a genuine, good hearted soul. And so I wanted to help his family out. I knew he didn't have a whole lot of family. He had his mom and his his sister and I don't think he was close with the rest of his family or even had much family. So I, you know, when someone passes away, it's a big thing. And I thought, how can I help this family? And I knew that Dave had a lot of musical instruments and musical instruments are a weird thing. It, 
if you don't know what they're worth, you can somebody who who doesn't know can look at a guitar and it looks like every other guitar. You know, all right, give me a hundred dollars for it. Meanwhile, the guitar is worth two thousand dollars, and I did not want to see that happen to his family. So I offered. I said, "Listen, I will help you. If I'll get all of these instruments, I'm like, I know you don't know me. <laughs> I've never met his sister before. I'm like, but I'm going to come to your house with a van, and I'm going to take all of these instruments." I said, "But you can talk to anyone that knows me that." Dave knew that knew me. You can trust me. I'm a good person. I'm doing this because I love Dave and I want to help you. I will sell all of the instruments and give you all the money. And then I don't know if Dave's in debt or, you know, but I know funerals aren't, aren't cheap or anything like that'll help. You can take all the money and that'll pay for, what are you going to do with all these instruments? So his family was very great about it. Um, They, they gave me some of his instruments to keep and I managed to sell everything. And I made his family thousands of dollars um, just from Craigslist and, <laughs> and Facebook Marketplace, which, you know, Craigslist is my favorite website, but man, oh man, do you meet people? Yes, you have the potential to meet the one and only Mr. Bill Clement. <laughs> you also have the potential to meet some whack jobs. And I've met some <laughs> whack jobs, and this was one of them. I'm selling Dave's stuff, and he had, you know, instruments that were worth $10 up into, you know, $1,000. He, he had just purchased a bunch of guitar cables, and cables aren't all that expensive. They can be, but on the scale of things, they fall more toward, you know, accessories versus, you know, instruments. He had just bought a bunch of brand new cables that was worth like $70. I put them on Craigslist for 30 bucks. So that's 30 bucks and give them to his family. I have enough cables. I don't need any more. So I listed, you know, $30. I'm at Jace's wedding with Jace married uh, his, his wife, Erin, was awesome. And uh, at his wedding, I'm using my phone to take photos. And this email pops up from Craigslist for these guitar cables. Well, I'm at a wedding. I'm not going to answer the email. So I just, you know, I saw it and I just swiped it and I just kept taking pictures. The next day, I decided I was respond to the email. I think the guy emailed me again. I respond to the email. This guy was such an a-hole. And I should have just been like, you know what? No, screw this. But I wanted to help my friend's family. This guy was being such a pest through the email over guitar cables. It was ridiculous. And I try to pick a place to meet and I tell him, meet me at the mall. Oh, that's too far for me. Okay. Meet me in Pittman. I live in Glassboro. Meet me in Pittman. And I'm like, all right. So I've never been to Pittman before. So I look up Pittman and it's 20 minutes away. So I tell him I'll be there in 30 minutes. I just woke up. I was hungover from a wedding. He writes me back. I said, all right, I'll be there in 30 minutes. He writes, he writes back immediately. Or you can get there sooner if you leave now. See, oh, like wow. right there, I should have been wow. like, you know what? Just not responded, whatever, right? But I'm doing this. Justin, between the time that I got dressed, got the cables, got in my car, and drove to Pittman, this guy emailed me multiple times. I'm sitting at the light. He, where are you? Where are you? They're guitar cables. I took a screen grab of the map that said I will be there in 0.3 miles. I'm like, I'm coming. Like, come on. And so I, I don't know where I'm at. I, I get to this. He tells me to meet him at this intersection. When I get to the intersection, it's a weird, like, five-way intersection where there's a restaurant over here. There's train tracks. There's a road that goes this way. So I pull up slowly and I'm trying to figure out where am I going to park? And this man is standing in the street, in the middle of the street. And he's like, Jimmy, Jimmy. And 
I look and I see him. I'm like, oh, hi. Right. And he goes, he's like, right. Like he, he gestures, like he's losing his mind. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so I pull up, I pull over, yeah. I get out of the car. He walks over to me. He's like borderline furious. He's like, oh, oh, you decide to finally show up. I don't understand. I email you. I, I want the cables. You don't answer. I'm like, dude, I was at my friend's wedding. I'm like, you're lucky I'm even here. Are you serious? So then, then he goes, look at this. And then he, he reaches into his car and I'm standing there like, oh, great. Is this where I get shot over guitar cables? He, he pulls out two brand new cables, brand new in the packaging. And he's like, look at this. Look at this. I just got this. I was at 8th Street Music. They sold me the wrong cables. I'm like, dude, this sounds like a you problem. I'm like, they're guitar cables. You put, you picked the wrong cables. And so I'm like, so uh, he had the money in his hand when he showed me the cables. So I just handed him my cables and took the money out of his hand. I got in the car and I left as quickly as I could. What the heck, right? So now some time goes by and I'm telling people like, uh, how are you doing with selling Dave's stuff? I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, one person bought a guitar, $1,000. No problem. I sell this, these cables for $30 for this guy. He won't leave me alone emailing me. He made me drive a half hour out of my way. So now, so, so that's, that happened, right? So now I'm working on my house and I need a contractor. I asked my buddy, Josh, this, the same guy I mentioned earlier who, does you know my sound my my sound man mm -hmm. uh hey uh josh do you know any any contractors he said yes i'm gonna recommend my friend jesse said, okay so i get jesse on the phone and i say how do you know josh and he says oh, i've known josh ever since he took me home from the hospital oh wow said, yeah just josh and i are like brothers we we grew up together we have different parents but we're basically brothers so I'm like, all right well i like this guy he comes over to my house and i, I the the deal that i gave jesse was I, I'm going to help you get this work done. So one, it gets done quicker. And two, I like doing it, but I'm not, nobody wants to put drywall up by themselves, you know, but like together with someone, it can be a fun project can be, <laughs> but I'm, I just want to get this done. Well, Jesse starts coming to my house and we're working on the, my house. And I immediately just love him. Like right away, I just felt this like family vibe from him and we, it was great. I enjoyed very much when Jesse came over and we're working on my house. And all of a sudden I'm like, I love this guy. We, we came, we, we became close quickly. So close that at one point he, he was getting married. He, he was getting married, but it was like a, a ceremony where it, the, not the big ceremony was going to happen. He had to do this for legal reasons. And, uh, he asked me to be the witness. And sadly I couldn't because I had, I thought I had COVID and then I, when I, that was in the beginning of it and also I couldn't make it to his wedding, but I'm like, Oh my goodness. He invited me to be the witness of this wedding. So I love Jesse. So now at one point, Jesse and I are working on my house and we need drywall and a bunch of tools and he's making his list and he goes, he's like, you know what, Jamie, if you don't mind, <laughs> this is how Jesse is. If you don't mind, uh, I have a lot of these tools at my house. So if you don't mind, if we go to my house and we get all of my tools, then you won't have to buy all of this stuff at Lowe's. He's like, we can still go to Lowe's, but we'll go to the Lowe's near me because we won't have to buy all these tools. All we'll need to get is the drywall. Oh my God, absolutely. Thank you, Jesse. So Jesse and I get in his car and he starts driving me to his house. On the way to his house, we pass by a location that I'm like, this looks familiar. I'm like, why do I feel like I know this? Jesse took me past the, the, the Everlast house, the house that I uh, was originally going to buy and move into 
Um, but it turned out there was an underground oil tank and I didn't want to pay to get that's expensive to remove. So I ended up not buying that house. Well, a workaround, if you, you don't want to, you know, you want to pay $40,000 to have an oil tank removed, you can still buy that land and use it just not as a house. So they knocked that house over and they put up a public storage, like not a public storage, different brand, but like kind of interesting. But I'm like, ah, oh, he's like, yeah, that's how they get around it. I'm like, well, that's weird because I almost bought that house. And now here I am with you helping me work on the house that I did buy. Like kind of weird. And for those of you listening right now, if you want to learn more about that Everlast house, go back, find the first episode with Jamie, and he talks about that. So on the way to Jesse's house, we're driving, I'm like, this looks so familiar. Justin, we pull up to that intersection where I met that crazy guy with the cables. Yeah. Jesse lives right there. So that day, when I went and I was in the middle of this street with the lunatic with these guitar cables. If Jesse opened his front door and stood outside, I would have seen him. Wow. Isn't that weird? And then Jesse became instantly like a close friend. So I think I was that, I mean, I already knew that I was like meant to meet, to meet Jesse, but that solidified it for me that Jesse and I are supposed to be friends. Like that was supposed to happen. How odd. Also, how odd that if it was if it wasn't if I was selling guitar cables for myself and this guy said to me, if you get if you leave now, you can get here sooner. I would have just not answered the email. I w- I'm not going out of my way for thirty dollar guitar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you could have so, met anywhere else in the entire yeah. state of New Jersey. And yet you guys met there. So that's that's really interesting. And it was the Bizarre. day it was the day after a wedding. And there's the wedding connection. You're being asked to be a witness for the wedding. <gasps> Justin, I didn't notice that. Oh, you're right. Another weird thing on the corner was a pizza place called Menino's Pizza. And I grew up with Sal Menino. Now, he, that wasn't the pizza place that he worked at. I think he started at one or like, I think it was in his family. I'm not sure how it, you know he ran the pizza place but there were multiple locations and i believe that that's one of the locations of my childhood friend sal on the corner there kind of weird just like another weird little side coincidence Do you think we are predestined for certain events in life, or do you think we truly have a choice? Or maybe it's a combination of both. It might be a combination of both. Hmm. Possibly a combination of both. What makes you think yeah. that? Because there are things that have happened in my life that I've kind of, I've, uh, I don't want to, I mean, I kind of want to say like I've known were going to happen, but it only makes sense. I, well, I don't know, actually. I mean, it's kind of hard to, to I don't know. It's kind of hard to like classify it. Or I, yeah. How much of our lives are really centered around free will, and how much of it is already you know programmed to happen? You know, I mean, you hear a lot of times the simulation theory, or we're just in this one big computer game, right? And everything is pre-programmed. Well, I mean, two things. Uh, one being our friend Michael Lewis, his perspective is that we as humans have free will. Uh, well, 
everyone has this is his perspective is that everyone is on a predetermined path, but we have free will, so we stray from that path. But when synchronicities happen, that is uh, what's the word like that? Not proof, but that that's like um, I can't think of the word like qualification that we're you're back that validation. Yes, that you're that you're back on the path that you're supposed to be on. So that's kind of interesting. Um, also, like kind of like you made me think of this. When we do certain activities, we like we have a way of doing it. Like you like to go to the movies. You, I'm just saying this. Like you like to get there. I'm not saying you, Justin, in, in particular. But like you like to go to the movies and you like to see the previews. So you like to get to the movie theater 30 minutes ahead of time so you can get in line and get your popcorn and your soda and then set up in the seat, find your seats in time to watch the previews. Then you have other people that make it just at the last minute when the movie's starting and you're like, oh my god, you just paid all that money to get here. You couldn't. Even, you missed the beginning, but some people swim in a different stream. And uh, one night, like I wanted to go see a concert with a bunch of my friends and it was one of my favorite bands. And it wasn't until about, you know, within the last decade that I discovered uh, if you go to a concert and it's a band that you really like and you get there early and you, you know, you got to sit and wait. But if you get there early and you go all the way up to the stage and just wait until they play, it is unlike any, uh, it's completely different experience than just going to a concert and hanging out by the bar and watching the the show. So I when I whenever there's a band that I really really like, uh, I'll go up in front, get there early, and do all of that. Well, I went to see a band years ago with a bunch of friends of mine called Phanogram, and uh, I was super excited because I wanted to get there early. And my friends are like, "Oh, let's meet up at the bar ahead of time," and I'm like, "All right, we'll get one drink and then you know." I get there and. I'm hanging out with them, and these people are not like me. Like, oh, I gotta be there, I gotta be this, and I gotta do this, you know. And they're all just loose and everything. And meanwhile, I'm like happy to be with my friends, but I'm like, yo, let's 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 get this moving. Like, are we leaving now? They're like, oh no, we just ordered another round of beers. I'm like, get a beer at the concert. Like, come on, right now. But I'm like, I'm at the mercy of them, like pretty much, you know. So I'm with them now. I'm waiting for everyone to get the second round of drinks. I'm like, okay. Then they finish them. Then we go outside. Now they're lighting up cigarettes. I'm like, can you smoke and walk? Like, we got to get to the venue. I'm right. anxious to get to the show. But that night I just happened to be with people that, you know, swim in a different way upstream. And uh, then we get to the concert. We finally get up to the line. My friend can't find his ID. He left his ID in the car. It's holding everything up. I'm like freaking out. But then when we finally get in there, we got there just in time and it was perfect for the, and it's funny. Cause I thought, you know what? That was a night where I was just like, you know what? I'm, this is how it's going to be. I can, I'm going to get there when I get there. And it, it worked out. And, and meanwhile, you're like, they're like, see, it's fine. You're, you know, it's fine. We got here. I'm like, no, we, that was just lucky. <laughs> you know, but that was a lesson that I learned. Like, you know, sometimes you can't control, you know, if you're with a group of people that aren't, going to handle the situation like you and you're in no rush and whatever, you know, and I've gotten to the point in my life now where if I miss the concert, who cares that it's more fun. Like the point of that, that is to be with your friends, really, at least that night. Cause I went with a group of friends, you know, if I was going to a concert by myself, although I've gone to concerts by myself and been disappointed and just left, you know? So it's more about like, you know, I, yeah, I'm like you, like, I like to be in control, right? I like to be in the driver's seat. I like to know what's about to happen next. Well, we're not always offered that luxury. And sometimes we just have to let things happen as they're meant to happen. And somehow, some way, things just work out in the end. Yes. And it's, 
you know, it, it's great that it does, but it's also frustrating because we put so much time and, and effort and energy, and, and, you know, being designers, you know, that's, you know, what we both do as, you know, a day job. Um, we pay attention to those details, right? We, we obsess over those details. Everything has to be perfectly planned and aligned just right. But things just have a weird way of working themselves out. And being the way that we are, which is also kind of funny, like what will happen. Like I'm the kind of guy that will carry an umbrella around with me when, even when it's not raining on the chance that if it rains, I have an umbrella and then I'll, ca you know, you carry an umbrella around with you for five years and then you're going through your backpack and you're like, why am I carrying this umbrella? I never used it. You take it out. The next day you get stuck in the rain. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of things we can't control in life, but there's a lot of things we can control in life too. And I think you can control how to interpret some of these experiences because it is so easy to let it kind of become like an unhealthy obsession where you're following these signs, these clues that lead nowhere. And it almost brings up like the whole trickster aspect to the phenomenon, you know? Have, have you run into that lately or that we didn't cover in, in the first the first episode? Any of these like wild uh -huh. goose chases that just really frustrate you? Where you think it means something, you, you're, you're almost certain that it has a deeper meaning, but it really doesn't. Um, I mean, I can't think of anything specific or off the top of my head i mean but there is definitely a trickster aspect where uh, it can be it can be uh, it can be interpreted as a trickster aspect or just you know one thing that's also uh, pretty prevalent in the high strangeness arena is a sense of humor uh -huh. like the uh, trick that trickster or just like oh my the jokester. god the jokester yeah it's like it has a sense of humor to it. like it's it teases you um, and that's, you know, I think that's played a part in a bunch of these, these situations. You meet a lot of interesting people. You have a lot of interesting stories. You just have a way of, of sharing these uh, stories that just, I don't know, it excites me. It, it fascinates me. But some of the people, Jamie, that you meet are just, oh my gosh, it's almost like a scene out of a movie. And one of these that always comes back to me that I've never forgotten is when you have shared the story with me about Diablo. So here's the thing. I yeah, I remember that pretty much like it happened yesterday, but I'm afraid that the but the thing is the name is such an important part. Like it, it wouldn't be the same story if it was like, you know, El Wapo, El Guapo or, or, or El Chapo or something. <laughs> yeah. It's not the or, same uh, thing. Or Mike, Steve. Yeah, yeah, Mike. <laughs> right? Because it, it really was like it added yeah. It it added to the terrifying aspect that I, I felt. So let me ask you this. Are you afraid that something terrifying might occur if we bring up this story or that he might somehow resurface in some weird way? Maybe this is a cool experiment we could do. Well, you know what? Because actually, if you, well, here's the, th here's the thing. I guess what, what it could be is it is a code name, 
Um, okay. I mean, right. So it's not his real name. I don't know what his real name is. So I had an interesting evening. <laughs> and just, led just for the another... audience, just for the audience, uh, so that they're aware of this, this has nothing to do with synchronicities. No, it's just an interesting it doesn't, story. It right. It doesn't. It, I mean, yeah, there's weird parts to it, but it's not, it's yeah. I had, a, I had a weird, I had a very weird night that led to some other weird things uh in particularly this one story so years ago my friend sue and i uh sue plays bass and i play guitar and she and i participated in this biggie smalls tribute night where we we, we took a biggie small song hypnotized and reimagined it in a different musical style and so she and i did this i spent an entire she was on tour uh, with another band for the summer and the summer was the time that I had to do this. So I did it on my own and uh, I, I rewrote the, the whole rap song as a blues rock song, which was very difficult. It took me the entire summer to do. I was at work. I brought a guitar to work with me every day. I was working on it. It's very difficult because the way that Biggie Smalls raps or rap songs in general, I guess they don't follow the same kind of formula or cadence as a regular song or a rock song, for instance, I don't want to say a regular song as a rock song. So a rock song is like verse, Chorus, verse, chorus, chorus, verse, whatever. Verse, 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 chorus, verse, 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 chorus. And it's four lines, four lines, three lines, three lines, whatever. There's like a math to it. Rap is not like that, especially Biggie Smalls. So I had to like take those. I couldn't delete lines from the song. So I had to take the song and make it work as a rock song. And it was fun. It was a fun. First, I couldn't do it. But then I just, my buddy was like, you can do this. I said, okay. So... A lot of weird things happened that night at the show. Uh, I won't get into all of it, um, but one of the weird things, one of the cool things that happened was a buddy of mine that I grew up with asked me to be in his wedding. Then another guy that I hadn't seen since high school, uh, he moved to California for 12 years. Then he came back and that was the first night that I saw him. And it was, you know, we, it was a like really cool night. And one of the people that were there was a, a woman that I, at this time I was single and there was this woman that I was, uh, I went to college with, you know, it was like, Oh, well, I'm playing guitar and doing Biggie Smalls. And she's flirting with me and she's like, we should go out. And I'm like, yeah, we should. Okay. So she gives me her phone number and then we go out and first we went to a restaurant and it was kind of funny. When we get to the restaurant, there's, you know, we put our names in for a table. It's a wait for the table. So we sit down at the bar and she and I are at the bar ordering drinks and just hanging out, waiting for the table to be ready. And then I hear my name and I look down the bar and it's a buddy of mine um, who also went to school with us, same major. I hadn't seen him in years. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, oh, so the bartender sees us, you know, seeing him and he's, he's famous uh, now. Uh, so the bartender was like, oh, your friends. Oh, so we all did a shot. And it, it was, it was like a cool moment. Like, oh, wow. So, so she and I are sitting there and we're having a nice time. And then we're like, all right, well, what do you want to do? Well, you, you, you want to hang out after this? And yeah, let's, you want to go, let's go dancing. And she's like, do you like to dance? I'm like, yeah, I love to dance. Oh, she's like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Let's go back to my place first. So I'm like, okay. She wanted to get changed. We go back to her place and it starts pouring raining while we're there. So all of her friends that were supposed to go dancing with us cancel. And she's all disappointed. And I'm just like, this is. I don't care what we do, but all right, cool. So she's giving me a little tour of her apartment while, you know, while we're trying to figure out what we're going to do now. And um, she's got a very small apartment 
and the kitchen is directly connected to the living room and there's a window, a big square window that separates the two. But if you're in the kitchen and you look through the hole in the wall, you can see the couch, which is right there for tiny little place. And, uh, she had on the other side in the kitchen, she had a table with a puzzle and she had started putting the puzzle together and she got most of the frame together, all of the frame together, except for one piece was missing. And next to the puzzle was a pile, all the pile of pieces. So I look over and I'm like, oh, okay. oh, she starts with the frame. All right. That's, that's a good point. And, you know, I'm going to give her a little awesome points there. And, and, uh, I'm like, oh, you can't find this piece. She's like, I've been looking forever for it and I cannot find it. I'm like, oh, and I just look at the puzzle, the pile. Eh, there it is. So I just, I pick it up and I put it right down and she goes, oh, and I went, you, you did that on purpose. She's like, no, I've been looking for that frame. Like it was right here, right in the front. I'm like, oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, we were doing the puzzle, and then then her friends are all canceling one at a time. I don't know. I'm like, okay. So she's like, well, so-and-so still wants to go. Do you still want to go? I'm like, yeah, let's go. She's like, okay. So we go downstairs. We go to get in the car, and it's pouring raining. That's when I discovered that it's pouring raining. Like, pouring. And we run out, get into the car, and then when she, we're in there, and she's like, oh, my God, can you drive in this? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. We were just in the car, but because it was raining so hard – she wanted to change her boots because she had worn suede boots. I'm like, first of all, why are you wearing boots to go dancing? But it's pouring rain. She's like, I'm sorry, I, I have to change my shoes. Is that okay? Yeah, okay. So we run back in, go back up. She lives on the third floor. So we go all, all the steps go all the way up. She changes her boots. And then she gets a text. Her friends, the last friends that were going to meet us cancel. And she's like, oh, I don't feel like going now. And she's like, is it okay if we just hang out here? I'm like, yeah, it's, that's fine. Okay, so we're doing the puzzle. We're having a few drinks. Now, at this point, I, I'm, I'll confess, I was, I was pretty intoxicated because we're not going to go out anywhere. So might as well just stay in. So we're just drinking and doing this puzzle. We're having a great time. And then her phone rings. And she picks it up. And she's like, she's startled by the phone call. I don't know what's going on. I'm just drunk putting a puzzle together with this hot woman, you know, like, so I'm just having a, I'm at, you know, having a, having a ball. And she's like, Oh, okay. And then she's like, she signals to me, like, I'll be right back. I'm like, okay. So then she runs downstairs and then I'm just, okay. And then she comes back up and she's like, I'm really sorry about that. And she starts telling me what happened, but then the phone rings again and she picks it up again. And she's like, Oh, 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 you're, you're here. Oh, Oh, you're, oh, you're downstairs. Okay. And she hangs up and she looks at me and she goes, this ought to be interesting. No, boy. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And then she leaves and she goes down the steps. And now I start to get this feeling like this is weird. So she leaves. You're in her apartment still by yourself. She left me in her apartment by myself. And she went downstairs to get her friend. I'm like, okay. So she, she comes up the steps and I hear it's, you know, more than one person. So then she comes up the steps and then I hear a door close and then just her, she comes walking out like the way that her apartment was set up. She, her bathroom was in her bedroom and it was right by the steps. So I just hear, you know, people coming up. I see her and then I hear a door close and then she's like, my friend's here. He just went into the bathroom. I'm like, he. All right. So she's acting not as smiley now. So I'm like, okay. So she comes back over and 
we're doing the puzzle again. And I'm like, what the heck? Then her friend comes out of the bathroom. He walks down the hallway and he walks up to, and he like walks up to me and he is like threatening looking. Like he's scary. He's just got this vibe about him. Like don't mess with me kind of vibe. And she's like, Hey Jamie. Uh, so <laughs> this is my friend. So I'm like, all right. So he's just, st he's just looking at me, like staring at me, like, like, at, like mean looking at me. So I, I'm like, all right, so let's, I try to cut the tension here. So I shake his hand, I put my hand out, and I go, hey, man, how you doing? I'm Jamie. And he shakes my hand, and then he just puts his hand back, and he just continues to stare at me. He doesn't say anything. So I'm like, and you are? And he goes, Diablo. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> so I'm just looking at him. I'm like, oh, I get it. The way that he had his hair styled and his beard, he had his sideburns trimmed to a point, and he had his beard trimmed to a point. Like if someone was <laughs> he, like he could have played the devil in a movie. He was oh like my fully gosh. embracing this devil character thing, right? So I'm like, oh, okay. And then right in front of me, he grabs the my date's butt and like makes a like slaps her and like makes this like. Like kind of silence. And I'm like, okay, so oh he just like marked goodness. his territory, right? I'm just like, and I am not a confrontational person. I'm not, you know, mean at all. I'm just, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, this is just getting weirder by the second. So then he's like, <laughs> I'm like, Jesus. So now, she and I are standing there, and he's like, what y'all do tonight? And she's like, oh, uh, well, we had a nice night. Um, Jamie took me to dinner and we were going to go out dancing, but it's raining. And so we just decided to stay here and put this puzzle together. Yeah. What else? That's it. Nothing else? No. One of us asked him like, well, how was your night? I think I asked him, like, how was your night? And he goes, oh, I had a, I had a good night. I had a real good night. And then he takes out a wad of money like hundreds that looked like something straight out of the Sopranos. He pulled out a wad of cash that looked like a cartoon wad of cash. And he just <laughs> sits down on the couch and he just starts counting it. So now I'm just like, what the heck? So now she and I are in the kitchen. Now he, you have to understand, like we are right there. There's a wall separating us, but there's a big hole. I can see him. It's basically like he's sitting right next to us, but we're in the kitchen. So now she just pretends like he's not even there. So she just starts laughing at me with the puzzle again. She's like, oh, and she's like making jokes and, and being all flirty. Now she's being like, you know, bubbly and flirty. This guy is just, he's not looking at us. He's just, but he's right next to us. And he's just counting his like $100,000 of hundreds, right? And And we're just ignoring him now. So he doesn't like this. So he starts like kicking the floor. And like making all this like, and he's just like kicking the floor, like for, I don't know, because he was showing that he was mad. So I say to her, I'm like, I'm going to leave. And she goes, don't. She grabs my hand. I'm like, don't. What am I going to do? Like against this guy? What am I going to do? So I'm just like, don't leave. So tells me don't leave. Then goes, I'll be right back and leaves me alone with him. And then she goes into her bedroom, I assume, to go to the bathroom. I don't know what. 
But she's like, or, or she's just like, get me out of here. So she just leaves me alone with this guy. So now I'm in the kitchen at this puzzle and I'm looking through the window at him. Stew and Diablo. Just me and Diablo. And he's still counting the money. And I'm just like, this is, and now I know Justin, I know that you don't partake in alcohol. Right. So I, I have to understand, like I was intoxicated. So like I, I was drunk. So I, you know, I wasn't, I had I didn't have any like loss of motor functions or I wasn't dizzy or anything like that. However, I was in an, in an altered state and it was it, the, the, like the tension I don't know for better or for worse, to be honest with you, because it was scary, but I think the fact that I was drunk just helped me kind of handle this, like remain calm in the situation. So I just decided to be calm and just be nice to him. So I go over, I go over to him and, and again, he's still sitting there counting. I'm not, I'm not kidding. He's still counting all of this money and he's not, he doesn't even look up at me. He doesn't acknowledge me. So I just walk over and I just stand next to him and I'm just like, Hey Diablo. <laughs> and he doesn't answer me. So I'm like, so, uh, so you had a good night, huh? And he, he doesn't answer me. I was like, so, so what happened? And he goes, he doesn't even look at me. He just goes, go do your puzzle, man. And I'm like, what did you say? You heard me. Go do your puzzle. <laughs> oh, oh boy. All right, then. So I go back into the kitchen and then she comes out, which is one foot away. So then she comes out of the bedroom and then he yells at her. He's like, hey, I need to talk to you. I want to talk to you. So then he goes into her room and they shut the door. And I'm like, all right, it's time for me to get the heck out of here. Yeah, now's your time to escape. I'm like, I have to, I'm like trying to figure, get my bearings. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, all right, I got to gather my stuff. I'm like, oh, my coat's over there. And I'm like, where's my wallet? I'm like trying to like gather all of my things. And I'm just like, I got to get out of here. So I'm like, oh, I slowly work. So I get everything. And then they, I'm, I'm just like, okay, I'm ready to leave. And then they, they come out of the room and he goes, she, or she goes, Jamie, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And I'm like, oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> And then he stands in front of the doorway and blocks it. And then he just has his hands in his pockets and he's just standing right in front of the door. So you couldn't get out. So I couldn't get out. So I, I walk, there's no other way out. Well, <laughs> so I, I walk up to him and I'm just like, all right, well, I'm <laughs> just trying to, you know, stay, stay cool, stay calm. So I'm like, it's nice to meet you, Diablo. And I put my hand out and he, he doesn't shake. He goes, I'll shake hands. I got OCD. I'm like, well, that's not what OCD is. And uh, <laughs> also you, sh I didn't say this obviously, but I'm thinking like you, you shook my hand 20 minutes ago. Like, when, so she's like, so I'm like, all right. So I'm like, all right, well, and he's just looking at me. He's just staring right in my eyes and he won't move. So I'm trying to like, all right. Like, like he wants me to like, do something right so but he's not saying anything so i'm I, this is i swear you can make like a seinfeld episode out of this 
I'm like trying to, to get around him and he won't move. So my, the girl's like, she's like, let him go. <laughs> I can still hear her voice in my head. Let him go Diablo. And he won't move. So I force myself around him and I'm like rubbing right up against his body, like right around him. Like, I think, I think there was like a, like a little like railing or something that, that, cause there was an area where like, I couldn't have like faked him out and run behind him. He was blocking the opening and I had to like slow motion rub into him. And then I get through the, I go down and I start walking down the steps, right? And it's three flights of steps. So I start walking down the steps. Next thing you know, he's following me down the steps. And as he's following me, he's banging on the walls and he's cursing at me. He's mumbling and cursing at me, but he's, it sounds threatening. It's like, like a horror oh, movie. Oh, no, no. oh yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. No, I'm not, I don't want to run. Right. right. So I'm just. Because you're yeah, you're intoxicated. It's three floors up. <laughs> he's banging on the. Oh my he's, god! Justin, he's punching the wall, like punching the, the whole way down. So I'm like, oh no, 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 no. So then I, I get all the way down to the bottom. I don't turn around. I just just walk right. <laughs> I'm like, all right, great. But he followed me all the way down. I'm like, great. Now he sees. I walk right. My car was right there. I'm like, great. Now he sees. He knows what kind of car I drive. Uh, but I, again, I didn't do anything wrong though. So I'm like, okay. And then I, she comes out, it's still pouring. And like, she comes out and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, are you okay? Can sh should I leave? Can it, she's like, you need to leave. I'm like, are you, are you sure you're going to be okay? She's like, I'm fine. I'm like, All right. Get in the car and I leave the next day. She calls me and obviously I didn't answer. And she left me this voicemail where <laughs> it was this like insane voicemail. And she was just like, uh, there's no coming back. I am so sorry. Uh, there's no coming back from that. So if I never hear from you again, I get it. I'm so sorry. So later on, I was recording that day. So I, you know, when I got the voicemail, it was late. So I just texted her and I was just like, are you okay? Yes. I was like, just so you know, you asked the wrong guy to leave. And she's like, no, you don't understand. I did what was safer for you. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so that happened. So now I, at this point, I am like maybe one or two years divorced. So this was my, I hadn't like, when I was in college and I met my, my ex-wife, she was my first girlfriend and I didn't really have a whole lot of experience with dating and stuff. I just met her. We fell in love, got married. We were together for over a decade. So now we got divorced and now I'm dating for the first time, you know, since I ever, uh, well, second time technically, right? But like, I only have one girlfriend. So this is what's, these are my like first dates. Like this is what, this is my, you know, stepping my toe back into the dating pool. And I'm, this is what's happening. Meanwhile, I thought this is fun. It's somebody that I knew I went to school with, you know, like, no, this happened. So now I'm telling my friends this stories and they're like, Hey, how did that date go? And I'm like, well, you want to know what happened? I, I, this happened, right? So I'm telling my friends this. I tell my one friend this whole story. Like I tell you, oh my God, only you, Jamie, right? Okay. Fast forward, uh, I'm, I'm probably, again, I'm, I'm just estimating when I say this because I don't know, like one to three months, but time had passed. Good, good, a good amount of time had passed. She's at a party in the city somewhere and she texts me and she's like, Jamie, you're not going to believe this. I'm at a party in the city and somebody at the party decided that they wanted to try to get some drugs. So they knew a guy. And that guy 
is here now, and his name is Diablo, and he looks exactly like you described, and he is showing off. He's showing off his gun and his money and his bulletproof vest to everyone. Oh my gosh! First of all, who does that? <laughs> like who does it? Hey, guess what, everyone? I'm a drug dealer and I have a gun and try and shoot me. I have a. Vet. Why would you show that off to people? I don't know. I guess if you're in that world, that's cool. I mean, I would, I would think you would be like low, play it low key, you know, but I don't know. He wasn't afraid to put it out there, I guess, to people to tell them what he was doing. So I now looking back, like, I wonder what else he was doing. Like what other, uh, professions was he involved in, um, that maybe she was an employee of or working for him or something, you know, like maybe, I don't know. So me, I could have died that night. Like, imagine if I was like, Oh, uh, who are you, man? Like, yo, who are you? Oh, uh, this is so, what do you mean? What do you mean? What, what, what kind of night is that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like that, but imagine if that, that could have happened. I could have gotten stabbed or shot or something like could have been, uh, could have ended a little differently. I mean, you're like a cat. You have several lives and I'm wondering, you know, bringing it back full circle. I'm wondering if maybe in an alternate timeline or an alternate universe you did not survive that night or these other stories that you you know relate to me over the years and it's created a a fork in the road so to speak mm-hmm. you know and this is one of the theories when it comes to parallel universes right is every conscious thought that you have creates another timeline and yeah. that timeline then has its own conscious thoughts and well what if those timelines overlap could it be that maybe some of these synchronicities are just those overlapping timelines? You know, it's just, it's fun to think about these things, right? It's fun to consider them. And it's fun hearing you talk about these, these stories and these, uh, these interesting characters. My gosh. Insane, right? Oh yeah. It's so crazy. It's crazy. But, uh, speaking of recordings, let's, uh, let's close out the show with one of your newest tracks from your band fossils from the future. It's called, under the sea. But there's an interesting backstory to this, right? Which ties to a paranormal conference that you and I both attended back in 2017. Uh, It was called uh, the Behind the Veil Conference in East Brunswick, New Jersey. And you met- Oh, I remember. I do, yeah. And uh, you met an individual there named Marie Gilbert. Yeah, you were speaking at this conference and you asked me to come along, which I did. And it was awesome. You did a great job. You did a great presentation on the men in black, which the same presentation that you've since given uh, several times. This was one of the first handful of times, I think, mm-hmm. that you'd started giving it. Yep. And uh, it's an excellent presentation. I highly recommend anyone. If Justin is coming to your town, please go and see him. Uh, he's a great presenter. And, and the story that he tells uh, is, is fascinating. Uh, so I went to this conference with him. And afterward... He introduced me to this woman named Marie Gilbert, uh, who was there, and she was an author, and she also did tarot card readings. So she offered to do, to do tarot card readings for me, and uh, yeah, okay, sure. I don't, I don't abide too much into it, but I'm interested. And there have been times when I've had readings with people where it's profound, and I'm like, I don't know these people. I pick these cards randomly, and on the one hand, I, I mean, I know that I feel like, uh, I feel like almost like with tarot cards, it's almost like a horoscope. You could right now I could open a newspaper and I can give you your horoscope and you could be like, Oh my goodness, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm going through in my life right now. And I'm like, yeah, well, this is a Scorpio and you're a Virgo. So, you know what I mean? I feel like they, that kind of thing can happen. And same with tarot cards, 
However, I've had tarot card readings that tarot card readings that have just been insane. And uh, this woman gave me this is one of the first times that I was had a reading, and it, it was it resonated with me. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then I was talking to her about my music, and, and the, I can't remember the reading. I have it written somewhere, um, but it did tie into my music. And she wrote – I bought a copy of her book, and she wrote a message to Jamie wishing you success. Make your music bring hope and power to the people. Trust your gift. And Marie Gilbert, 2017. I thought that was really sweet sentiment. And so when I started writing the music for this band, uh, I tried to make it not necessarily exactly what she's saying, but I'm, I never put curse words in my music. I, and I try to make my music reach all people. Like, so I, you know, I don't want like to pigeonhole things like have an audience that's expansive in all ages. That's my goal, at least anyway. But with this song, I did that. I did what she asked in a, in a sense. Um, and I also, uh, did it because a friend of mine, Billy, who I mentioned earlier said, you guys should write a ballad. And so I said, okay, so wrote a ballad and it's called under the sea, but it's about how the aliens have it all figured out living under the ocean, um, which is where they live. So it could be, you know, maybe they live in the ocean for nefarious purposes or hiding or whatever. Or I like to picture this idealistic uh, vision where they just have it figured out. There's no fighting. Everything is under the under the sea. So the idea is the song is about going, you know, trying to trying to bring that like as below, so above instead of as above, so below. Uh, and I try to put that message like that positive message into the, the song of like if we all just unite together as one, we can overcome. Nice. So here it is, uh, folks. You're going to hear the new track from Fossils from the Future called Under the Sea, and it does exactly that. There is a place in the deepest part of space. There's a sea without a land. And there's no one in command All the waves are miles away And you can't tell night from day It's quiet and serene So surreal what's happening Under the sea
So there you have it, everybody. The song Under the Sea from Fossils from the Future. Uh, where can people find more about the band? Fossilsfromthefuture.com and fftf.bandcamp.com. I also have a Facebook and an Instagram, but I only use that to announce the shows. Um, but if you want to listen to the music, there are songs, demos. They're, they're just demos. So I made all of these demos by myself. I did have some help, um, but I play all the instruments except for the drums, um, except for two of the songs. My friend Adam played bass on BBW, the song about the Big Bad Wolf. And Brenda played bass and sang backups. And she also helped with some percussion parts on this song, Under the Sea. So there you have it, everyone. Go to fossilsfromthefuture.com or fftf.bandcamp.com. And there you will see all of the information of the band, some of the songs, uh, where they're playing. If you're in the, 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 uh, the East Coast, if you're, but you, you don't just play shows on the East Coast. You travel all over, right? For this band so far, it's only been uh, local. Well, I'm sure that's going to change. So you're doing good things, my friend. And as always, thank you for coming on the show. We'll have to have you back on and talk about some of those other synchronicities that never seem to end. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. You have been listening to Terror Signals with Justin Bamforth and presented by Normal Paranormal. For more on this show and other topics of high strangeness, please visit normalparanormal.org or visit the program website at terrorsignals.com. 